Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. There's a lot going on in the world and, and we can't necessarily change the world. I know that's going to kind of deflate some of the justice young people in the room. I'm here to change the world. But you know what? Like, it's beautiful, and I, I don't want to mock you or, or condemn you for having such a virtuous worldview. But I, I want to say we actually aren't responsible for the whole world. It, it's too much for one person. Like, the whole world is on God's shoulders, not, not on ours. But, but we are responsible for our own world. We may not be able to change the world, but we can certainly change and be responsible for our world, what God has given us to govern and steward. So whether you're a mum and dad here, whether you're a single person, a young person, an older person, what God has given you to be responsible for is what we have responsibility to bring order to and, and keep in control. So the title of my message, with that being said, is Bringing Your World Into Water. And I'm going to start at the beginning. I'm going to start in the book of Genesis, where we see God bring the world into order. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified because it has some, some words and some context and some fleshing out that I think that's really going to help us today as I bring teaching about how to bring your world, somebody say, my world, my world. into order. Okay. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created by forming from nothing. Wow. Let's not gloss over that too quickly. The heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void or a waste and emptiness. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, the primeval ocean that covered the unformed earth. And the spirit of God was moving, hovering and brooding, I want you to picture it in your mind's eye, over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, pleasing and useful. I want you to write those three words down, good, pleasing and useful. So what God created, he saw was good, pleasing and useful. And then he affirmed and sustained it. So God, when he created the world, created the earth, put things in order and saw it was good, pleasing and useful. And what was good, pleasing and useful, he affirmed and he sustained. And God created the light from the darkness and he distinguished them, which is very important. We live in a time and an era where we want no distinction between darkness and light. Everything's just gray. You, 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 you do you, boo. There is no sin, just, just preference, just personal preference, wrong. There's good and there's evil, there's light and there's dark. And God calls his sons and daughters to make a distinguishment between those things. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning 
one day, the first day. And then when we scroll down to Genesis chapter number two, starting in verse 15, we see that after God put the earth in order, good, pleasing, and useful, and that he affirmed and sustained, the Bible tells us that then God took the man, he got Adam. I mean, that's a word right there. God took the man and set him down in the Garden of Eden to work the ground and to keep it in order. So God set the world and the earth in order, good, useful, pleasing, affirm and sustain this. And then he said to Adam, he said to man, now I'm going to put you in it and I want you to affirm and sustain what I have set up. I want you to keep it in order. Now, it's not your job to keep the whole world in in order, but it is our job and responsibility to keep what God's given us as good stewards and keep it in an order where there is a result of things that are good, useful, and pleasing, and that we affirm and we sustain. So I want to bring three areas, and trust me, three areas will be enough where we can bring our worlds into order. And, and there's a lot of chaos in the world, and it can get overwhelming if we make the whole world our focus. But imagine if you just said to the Lord today, and maybe you could do that, maybe you could just close your eyes for a second and put your hands out and just say to the Lord within yourself, God, help me bring what you have given me into order. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you would like to live with more peace? How many people would like more peace and less fear, less worry, less anxiety? How many people are, are fed up with being worried and hurried? <laughs> How many people are fed up with waking up in the middle of the night, stressed out and anxious, not able to, to go to sleep because they have cares on the inside of them because there's areas of their world that are out of order and not submitted to God, that today the Lord is saying, like, when you bring it to me, I'm going to bring peace into the places where the enemy has been able to torment you with anxiety. So I'm going to give us three, three practical ways that we can bring our own worlds into order. The first one is this. Set the thermostat of your home. Set it to good, pleasing, and useful. Can I ask you this question today? What is the thermostat set in your home? What's it set at? Is it peace? Is it joy? Is it generosity? Is it encouragement? Is it gratitude? Is it full of praise? Is there a, a lightheartedness and a joy in your home? Or, or maybe there's some disorder that God's wanting you to bring into order today because there's a lack of peace and there's chaos and there's stress. I don't want you to feel condemned today, but, but be encouraged and be challenged. God's going to help you sustain and affirm the things that he wants for your family home. Can I speak specifically to the men here today, the heads of households? At the end of the day, God set Adam in the garden to keep it in order. Now, we can default all day long to our wife, and trust me, if she has to, she'll, she'll step up to the plate, and she will put her beautiful feminine hand on that thermostat. But, but heaven forfend that there be men in the households who aren't taking responsibility for the, the temperature of their home. What have you allowed the temperature setting of your home to be set to? Can I, can I give you some, some counsel today? 
Don't ever let the thermostat of your home be set by somebody who has no peace. I remember um, when I was a young wife, and I'm, I'm kind of a little ashamed to say it, but I'm sure I have a lot of company here, that I was a bit of a hysterical, anxious, cranky wife and mom when my kids were little. And my eye, no, I wasn't always this awesome. <laughs> and I remember days my husband would come home from work and he'd be met with the chaos and the demands and the stress and the energy and the laundry list of all the things he should be doing and wasn't doing. And I'd be standing at the stove, stirring the, the dinner, the stew, like a witch's brew. Double, double, boil and trouble. And, you know, it got to a point in our marriage where Jürgen was so used to coming home and seeing the thermostat set at complaining, negativity, crankiness, frost, that he'd walk in and be like, you know what? I'm going to walk out, and when I walk back in, I'd like to speak to Leanne. <laughs> you know, the woman I married, the bright, joyful, happy, bubbly, pleased to see me woman that I stood at an altar with? I want to talk to Now, I've got to tell you, it didn't always work. <laughs> it did annoy the living daylights out of me, but eventually I woke up to the fact that I am... I am creating an environment in my home that is actually having people repel from me, and that's not what I want. And I had to allow my husband to keep me accountable, but then also I'd have to keep him accountable. There'd be times that he'd come home when he was away on ministry trips and he would have been busy and then come back to a full plate of responsibilities in the home and it was like he carried stress. And I had to say to him one day, when you come home, you carry so much stress, you know, you, you ruin the atmosphere. You, you get, put your hand on that temperature dial and you turn it to stress and things have to shift. Never compromise the temperature of your home. Good, pleasing and useful. That we affirm and we sustain. And I'm telling you, it will be something that we can't just think is organically going to happen. We have to be intentional about it. In the story of King Asa in 2 Chronicles chapter number 16, we see that he had to have a very direct conversation with his own grandmother because she'd set the temperature of the kingdom of Israel to perversion. And the Bible says because she did not repent from her wicked way, she'd set up a whole lot of idols of Asherah, like pornography idols in the kingdom, the King Asa had to kick his own grandmother out of the kingdom. Imagine that! That takes throw mama from the train to a whole nother level. He has to kick his own grandma. And so I want to ask you this question. Maybe today you are tolerating things that are actually intolerable, that are changing the temperature of your home, that you should actually be addressing. And you're not dealing with it because the behavior is coming from someone that you feel you are obliged to tolerate. I'm obliged to love this person, so I'm going to just tolerate their mess. Don't tolerate their mess. This is your house. And God has set you over it as steward. So when mother-in-law comes in with her, with her controlling spirit and tries to turn the place upside down, absolutely. You're kind, you're respectful, but you are direct and you are clear and you are honest. This is my house. <laughs> and as for me and my house, Joshua said, we're going to serve the Lord. 
well, I can't do that. What about my son who's 30 and smokes pot all day in the basement and trolls people on the internet? He's my son. He's my responsibility. Well, okay, let's have a think about what God did. Adam and Eve, both of them got evicted from paradise because they tried to reset the temperature. God's like, I love you. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to be here for you, but you can't stay here. And some of you tolerating a whole bunch of stuff you shouldn't be tolerating in your household because it's people that you love. It doesn't mean you don't love them if you put a demand on people. This is what the temperature of my household is going to look. And a a lot of people suffer, a lot of Christians suffer with a lack of peace in their own home because they won't take responsibility for the thermostat because they feel out of some misplaced misappropriation of what Christian love looks like, that they have to tolerate things that they should not tolerate. Okay, are you hearing what I'm saying today? I, I know it's hard, but I need to tell you this. We are meant to love people. We are meant to pray for people. We are meant to treat everyone with the respect that we would like to be treated with. But we are foolish if we let anyone or any spirit go unchallenged in our home. Don't let anyone who doesn't have a spirit of peace and a commitment to what is good, useful, and pleasant, and righteous get their hands on your spiritual thermostat. Somebody say amen. And that will, will deserves a shout of praise right there because that will change your life if you apply it. You know, there are several people that the Bible tells us that we're not to associate with. And so I just want to give you, I want to give you a few uh, practical tips here today. Uh, The first one the Bible tells us is in Proverbs 22, 24. Do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man. Now, listen, I'm not talking about moments. We all have moments. I'm talking about someone who was furrowed in to sin and a spirit and remains unrepentant and unchanged. The next group of people, the Bible tells us in, in Titus chapter number three, verse, verses 10 to 11, it says, a divisive person is one that we should not associate with. Warn a divisive person once and then a second time, but after that, you get two chances, have nothing more to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful and they are self-condemned. The next group of people, the Bible tells us that we are not allow, we should, we should not allow to get their hands on the thermostat of our life or our home, is gossips. Right. Proverbs 20:19, one who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. Wow, brutal Bible. Yeah. <laughs> and and I hope it's not you that you have to kick out of your own life and house. Because here's the thing, we pass on these bad habits to our children. And I've got to tell you, after 30 years of ministry and after 48 years of living, I've seen no good fruit from mums and dads and people who gossip, especially in front of their children. When you sow dishonour, you reap it. Uh, Sadly, I could fill a book with the amount of stories where I've seen mum and dad roast authorities at the table, whether it be the pastor, the teacher, this person or that person or the neighbours, and then they they wonder why their children are dishonourable. They wonder why their children have no respect for authority. They wonder why their kids go to school and and act out. It's because you acted out. You modelled it. 
You did it. Why doesn't my teenager want to come to church? You did it. You sat at the table and you threw the pastor and the leader and the connect group leader and the youth pastor under the freaking bus. And then, I don't understand why my kids don't like church. Oh, I know, I know, I know. So, So you don't have to kick your own self out of your own house just deal with that spirit. Give it, give it to the Lord. I'm not going to be a person of dishonor. I'm going to set the temperature of my home to honor. The Bible tells us not to spend time with the sexually immoral in 1 Corinthians 5.11. Paul says this to the church. But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, so a Christian. So they're not talking about the unsaved. <laughs> they're going every which way but loose. <laughs> Because they don't know any better. But the brother or sister, again, who was furrowed in to a life of sin without repentance, doesn't want to change, the Bible says, do not associate with them. Goes on to say, do not even eat with such people. Now, why? Why? Why would the Bible? The Bible wants us to, to separate ourselves. How are they going to change if we're separating ourselves from that and we're looking from a high perch of righteousness and I'm not spending time with you because I'm holy and the Lord wants to me, me to be holy and you're not holy enough. That's not why. The Bible goes on to tell us again why we shouldn't associate with such people. It tells us in the book of Proverbs, do not be misled because bad company will corrupt a good character. This isn't about sitting on some high perch of self-righteousness. This is about self-protection. This is about protecting my own heart. This is about me not allowing myself to be defiled in any way because the temperature of my home and my life is just too important. And I love you, but until you repent, until you change, until your life comes into at least a level of alignment with the Word of God. We, we can't hang, we can't hang. I know it's hard, but we can't hang. Oh, I tell you what, this will change your life if you, if you apply it today. Uh, what shows are you allowing into your home? Uh, my dad was ruthless with me and my sisters when we were little girls. Like, unless it was PG, it was going back to blockbuster. <laughs> like he, but, but I thank God because there are things that I don't need to now unsee and unentangle myself from. I, I've got a purity in my mind because the thermostat of my home was set to virtue and righteousness and holiness and goodness and things that are pleasing and useful. I remember many years ago, back when DVDs were a thing, Pastor Yogan and I kind of got into a series called Dexter. Do you remember that one? Oh, just, yeah, don't out yourself. And I'm ashamed to say it. But, but it, kind of, it drew us in because it was kind of like that, that maverick, um, maverick justice. And this guy had serial killer tendencies, so he used, he used them. He never dealt with them. Instead, he used them by taking out the bad guys. And so it was like wickedness, but kind of wrapped in the skin of virtue. So we thought, well, okay, well, maybe it's okay, God. And so... <laughs> It was really interesting, and we got about half of the way through season one. I, rem I remember so distinctly, God woke me up in the middle of the night, and he said, throw those DVDs in the trash. And I said, yes, Lord, I will. Even though I want to know what happens next, I'm going to be obedient, and I never looked at it again. That Maybe there's stuff that you need to throw out of your house, things your kids are watching. 
My gosh, my, my kids will tell you, I'm always yelling out, what's that you got on there? Turn that off, change the channel. <laughs> it's important. God's given me these babies to steward. And I want them to grow up with, with as little residue as possible. Trust me, there's things even now as a 48-year-old woman that, that I'm just learning that I wish I didn't know. I'm like, ew, I didn't want to know what that was. But I certainly don't want my 15-year-old knowing what it is, and I don't want my 22-year-old knowing what it is. Set the thermostat in your home. Get the chaos out of your house. So what do we do? What do we do? Okay, so it's enough to get the chaos out, bring the peace in, get the trash out of your house, make sure you're a good steward, dads. Make sure you're a good steward. God is looking at you. He's looking at you because he set you up as the leader for your home. Are you stewarding well what God has given you to steward? Are you bringing order and keeping in order what God has given to you? Set the thermostat of your home to praise. Put praise and worship on. Now, like, there's, there's a lot of music you can listen to, and there's no judgment, all right? Uh, well, sorry, a little bit of judgment. There, are, <laughs> there is some music, all that music that, you know, is about booty shaking and calling women things that they should never be called. Like, have some discretion. But music carries a mood. It carries a spiritual vibration and energy. What do you want resonating through your home? Remember the song, sad songs say so much, right? If you are always playing the melancholy and my heart was on the floor and you smashed it and broke it in two and then my dog died and then my truck got stolen and then you wonder why you're sad. The, the, the Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, my baby girl came home the other day from school and she was telling me that they were teaching her that we're apparently right now in the silent, the silent depression, the Great Depression, but it's a silent Great Depression. And I felt the Lord say to me, it's, it's not the silent Great Depression, it is the Great Oppression. But, but we can do something about that. We don't need to live under the fog of oppression. The Bible says we put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Isn't this beautiful? So if you've got, if you feel something in your home, if there is a feeling of depression and heaviness, for the love, do not lock yourself in your bedroom and play sad music. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lift up your voice to God. All right? Come on sing yourself happy put on some praise get yourself out of the fog pray through your home mums and dads oftentimes I'll just hear my husband just praying in the spirit through the home and my house by and large mostly is is a house full of peace because we've made a decision to set the thermostat that way pray pray through your home say grace at dinner time that's a big one that we often forget and I would say this generation has been marked by a level of ingratitude simply because believers have neglected to thank God at mealtime. So just like I get in my car and I put my seatbelt on and I feel a little bit off until it's on, when I sit down at my meal, I can't, like, something's missing if I haven't thanked the Lord for my food. And I'll say to my kids, even if we're not eating together and they're eating together and I've made them dinner because Jürgen and I are going out. I'll say, make sure you say grace. Thank the Lord for your food. And God knows we need to do it. 
Who knows what those weirdos are doing to our food? <laughs> it's like you can, like you can, you can like get yourself into a frenzy with all of the conspiracy theories and things, and probably half of them are true. But that's why we have grace. What are they putting in our food? Well, thank the Lord for that food. Bless it. The Bible says if we eat anything poisonous, it by, shall by no means harm us. Say some grace, mum and dad. It may just save your life. <laughs> have, you, have you set the thermostat of your home to hospitality and generosity? Let me take it a level deeper. Growing up, my mum was a brilliant role model, a brilliant role model at this. Every vacation, every celebratory time, every holiday, our, our house would be filled with people. I didn't know half of them. But she set the thermostat for me when I grew up and became a mom and a wife and had my own house and my own temperature gauge that I would set it to hospitality. Let me tell you this. I've been a foreigner and a stranger in three nations and every single time I didn't wait for people to invite me, I gave an invitation. Can I put it to you today that maybe the reason you're lonely isn't because you haven't been invited, but because you haven't given in an invitation. And, and listen, I, let me be very truly honest with you. I still, to this day, give more invitations than I get. Still. And I could complain about it. Oh, nobody, I, I, invi I invite people around. And when they come around, I'm nice to them. <laughs> I don't tell them, yeah, you can't sit there. Right. And you better take your shoes off. And no, that's the good room. You better stay out of there. Every room's the good room. Oh. Let's come on in and have fun together and break bread and play cards. And I'm going to cook for you. And I'm going to turn myself inside out to make sure that the thermostat in my home, when you walk in, you want to come back. Yeah. I want friends. Yeah. And, and, and I will do what needs to be done to have a rich community of friends around me. And too many Christians get furrowed in to everything that people haven't done for them. Well, what about you do it? I did it. And maybe that's why I'm standing here. I probably don't have, you know, I don't have a ton of like other natural talents, but I'm good at that. And that's a value. Do you know that hospitality is a gift of the spirit? It's one of the ministries, the ministry of hospitality. Amazing. And we always lumber it off on other people. You open your home. People say, well, well, what about the wear and tear on your house? It doesn't matter. Whatever's broken, get fixed again. Whatever's dirty can get cleaned. And God blesses the generous. You'll find that money will come to fix those things that those little toddlers smashed. The Bible says those who refresh others will be themselves refreshed. And I've found that God has continually refreshed me because I've opened up my home and I've said, you know what, Lord, this is your house first. And I set the thermostat to hospitality and I'm not going to lose my mind because somebody broke a plate because I can buy another one. Amen, Leanne. Can I, can I give you a tip for when you travel to and you go to a hotel room? Set the thermostat in that hotel room. Heaven knows what's going on in those rooms when you're not in there. Doesn't bear thinking about it. So I will walk into a hotel room. Evil spirits, be gone. Evil, wicked spirits, whatever's happening here, whether it's fornication, adultery, out. Spirit of unfaithfulness, out. I thank you that the Lord reigns in this place. Father, that your hand, your presence is in this room. And then before I go, so do that every time. You'll be fine. Then you'll sleep at night. 
And then before I leave the hotel room, I leave a blessing. I don't know who's coming in after me. And they may need to hear from the Lord. Father, the next person who walks in this room, let them have an encounter with your goodness, an encounter with your love. Wake them up and trouble them in their dreams if they need to be troubled in their dreams. (laughs) So good. Oh, I just know. I just know. In heaven, there are going to be stories. And there'll be like a a little like recap video of me walking out of a hotel room, praying a prayer. And then God will say, see this guy? He was having an affair. And guess what? I tormented him until he repented and he turned up at church on Sunday and he got his life together and he repented. And I'm going to be like, you're welcome. Set the thermostat in your home. Okay, so that's, that's the first way we can bring our lives, our lives into order. The second thought is this. Have rule, governance, over your own spirit. Listen to this, Proverbs. I love Proverbs. Proverbs 16.32. He who is slow to anger or patient is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit is greater than one who takes a city. Because here's the truth. Your might, your beast mode efforts... Your intelligence, your smarts can take a city. But if you don't have self-control, you can lose that same city. I mean, got me thinking. Maybe the next uh, name or theme for a merge conference needs to not be Mighty Man. It needs to be something like Slow to Anger. (laughs) Patient. Emerge Conference presents Patient. (laughs) I'm just saying... The Bible elevates that quality over the mighty. Ooh, emerge, lion-hearted beast. Emerge, patient, slow to anger. (laughs) What do you reckon, Charles? Let's see what Peter tells us along the same vein. 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse 8. Be sober. Oh, we could just stop there for some people. (laughs) Sermon done. Be sober. Well-balanced and self-disciplined. Let's not lose that. You know, we don't often talk about it. We talk about the power of God to change our lives, the grace of God to help us overcome every struggle that we have. But what about our responsibility as believers? to be self-disciplined. I've decided what kind of person I'm going to be. And I'm not going to let anybody else's bad behavior change who I am. You can be crazy all you want, but I'm not joining you in the asylum. I have made a decision of what kind of person that I'm going to be. And so when I set my personal thermostat at self-disciplined, self-constructed, controlled, governing my own spirit, I can walk through life and there can be all kinds of little triggers and obstacles that are trying to trip me up. But I know who I am. So you may throw at me some some fool's bait. You may send me an email with a personal insult. You are the worst pastor I've ever met in my life. And and I'm going to respond to you, but I'm going to disregard the personal insult and I'm just going to make the issue the issue. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So for those of you who, who let your anger lead you and let your flesh lead you, I want to ask you this question. 
Did your anger and your overreaction, those of you who are like human fire alarms, did it make things better? When you lost your cool and you sent that text at midnight after a glass of wine, did it make it better? Answer me. It didn't. Do you know my first response often would have been wrong 90% of the time? If I had have done what my flesh was begging me to do, 90% of the time I would have got it wrong. And I'd have a really small world. I'd have a tiny church, if any church at all. I'd have no friends. My husband would probably hate me and my kids probably wouldn't be able to stand me. So instead of letting your flesh lead, decide what person, kind of person that you wanna be. Good, useful, pleasing. That is what I will affirm and sustain. If I wanna keep my life in order, then I'm gonna have to keep myself in order. How many of you remember the Michael Jackson music video thriller? Come on, give me an ow if you, (laughs) there you go. So many people forget the beginning of that music video because it's just him dancing with the zombies in the graveyard, right? But at the beginning, there's this scene, okay? So he's walking through the the forest with his girlfriend. They're walking along and they're all lovey-dovey eyed at each other. And all of a sudden, Michael Jackson looks up and he sees the clouds part and he sees there's a full moon. And all of a sudden, you see him kind of get a bit nervous and he says to his girlfriend, Oh my gosh, run, run, get the hell out of here, run. And I mean, uh, sadly, she just stood there screaming because he realized under certain circumstances, when the moon is full, I know that I have a propensity and a weakness to turn into a werewolf, someone you're not going to want to be around. So I am going to protect you from the worst version of myself. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans to not think of ourselves more highly than we we ought. So in order to have governance or rule over your own spirit, here's what you're going to need to do. You're going to need to understand your own weaknesses and proclivities. And, And it's not the rest of the world's job to pander and dance around your dysfunctions, but but I'm gonna make a decision. Hey, I know when there's a full moon that I'm gonna maybe be tempted to get a little crazy, so I am going to protect you from me. Sometimes you may need to put yourself in your room because your mama didn't do it enough when you were a teenager. You're gonna have to send yourself to your room. She's not around anymore to say that, Leanne, Edith, that is a terrible attitude. Get in your room until you change. My mom isn't here to do that anymore. I have to do it to myself. And don't, don't make it so other people have to tell you you're turning into a werewolf. Right? So they don't have to look at you and go, um, are you aware that you've actually become quite hairy? Are you aware that your once stunning manicure has now turned into ravenous claws? Are you aware that uh, you are gnawing on a small child? <laughs> you, you don't want people to have to tell you right. 
that you're turning into a werewolf. I understand that in certain, certain circumstances there's going to be a proclivity in me to react in a way that I know is not befitting and it's not your job to protect yourself from me. I'm going to protect you from me. Govern your own spirit. Well, I just can't help it. I get triggered. You can help it. You just don't want to. Let's be honest. Here's what Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 9, 27. I discipline myself. I bring myself into subjection. He doesn't say, here I am, Corinthian church, coming ready or not. And guess what? I've had a bad day and you're going to pay for it. He said, I tell my flesh who I want to be. I make a decision. And do you know what the actual translation of discipline is in the Greek? I give my flesh a black eye. I say to my flesh, not today, devil. You're taking a back seat. Jesus is stepping forward. Have rule over your own spirit. You know, I learned this. I mean, marriage is the greatest teacher because no one will ever see that side of you like your other half. (laughs) Things shifted in my marriage when I made a decision to govern my own spirit and not get triggered by everything. And I'm married to a man who knows how to trigger, baby. (laughs) And I just made a decision. I'm not going to get triggered. And everything shifted in our relationship when I made the focus, number one, myself, what is Leanne responsible for? But instead of who's right, how do we reconcile? And my husband and I will get into arguments because we're two passionate people and any healthy marriage is going to be a level of friction and tension. And I worry sometimes if there isn't because then I'm like, well, which one of you is a doormat and which one is a control freak? Or maybe you're just two peaceful people and you're fine. In that sense, God bless you. Um, But definitely for us, there was that friction and everything shifted when we went from who's right to how do, we, how do we reconcile this? Because we're meant to be together. There's no Jürgen with, without Leanne, and there's no Leanne without Jürgen. We're in it for life. Right? Don't worry, it's not that finger. We are in, we're, we're in it for life, right? So how do we reconcile? How do we reconcile this? How do we get through? How do we solve it? Because we're meant to be together. This is a God relationship. This is a covenant. We're going to make it through. I remember having a conversation with Mike Connell. Like, how do I, how do I deal with relationships? And we're responsible for a lot of relationships and a lot of relational dynamics. How do I have rule over my spirit? And how do I get, how do I get reconciliation out of people? And he gave me the best advice. He said, Leanne, ask more questions, make less statements. Instead of saying, you always, he he said, just maybe ask a question. Have you noticed that when? Have you noticed that when things get really stressful, you shut down? Have you noticed that when, you know, uh, your mother-in-law, the mother-in-law comes over that you isolate and you run away. Have you noticed? And it's amazing how it shifted. Tell me why when this happens, I feel like you respond this way instead of you always, you're a crazy psycho. 
I can't live like this anymore. Ask, ask questions. It's amazing how everything shifted. And then people answer. Well, I feel a little rejected or I feel, I guess I felt afraid or I feel overwhelmed. And then it's so much easier because now we can deal with the issue, not the emotion. You understanding what I'm, what I'm saying today? I'm trying to help you. Be careful in being in a rush to take a side. This will happen a lot in church and a lot in families. Proverbs 18, 13 says this, spouting off before hearing the facts is both shameful and foolish. A lot of division happens in homes and families and church families because of side taking. Bible says we are wise if we wait until all the information emerges. Doesn't mean we don't listen. Doesn't mean we can't have compassion, but we reserve judgment until such a time as we've been properly able to weigh all the facts together. Amen. Amen. That is good. I'm just thinking if there's any more that I want to kind of dive in on that. To wait and to weigh is wise. In the book of Corinthians, Paul was having so many problems with, with the church because they were, con they were just determined to take sides. I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos. And he had to say to them, are we not all one in Christ? Stop trying to make feuds and divisions. And it happens a lot in church, happens a lot in church campuses, especially as we grow. Well, I'm of this and I'm of that. No, we are Team Jesus, people. We are Team Jesus. Amen. Give your flesh a black eye. Decide what kind of person you want to be, good, useful, pleasant, and affirm and sustain that. And then your world will come into peace and order because you're not walking through the world making enemies with every step you take and, and being reactionary and starting fires that people then need to come out and put out because you had no self-control. No, have governance over your own spirit. And finally, clean out the clutter and then invite in the right things. We can hide a lot, especially in church, we can hide a lot. We can come in and we can look very Christian. We can have a camisole on and hug uh, members of the opposite sex on, on the side and do all the Christian things and have it all dialed in. And, but on the inside, there's a whole lot of stuff that God wants to deal with that we're hiding. Jesus had some very direct conversations with the Pharisees and his conversations went a little bit like this. You clean the outside of the cup, but on the inside is greed and self-indulgence. You're like whitewashed tombs, full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. So, so what's, the, what's the analogy he's making? On the outside, you look perfect, but on the inside, you're cluttered with all kinds of wickedness. Who knew? Who knew who these men could have been if they had have dealt with what was on the inside? So you're at a church, at Awakened Church, where we're not just gonna be content for you to come in all scrubbed up and polished up and look right, but not actually be right. So we're gonna encourage you to unclutter your soul. I, I hate clutter. I hate it with a passion in the natural. My children will tell you, I'm always walking through the house with trash bags. My gym, bring out your clothes you don't want anymore. Bring them out, bring them out. Every time I buy something new, I get rid of something old. Because here's what I don't want. I don't want to lose all my good things in, in the midst of all the things that I never wear because I'm a hoarder. 
Some of you have no peace because you're a soul hoarder. You've got boxes of clutter in your soul and we can't see who you truly are and what you do have because it's under a whole lot of trash that God wants you to, to shift out. I, I didn't know that there was a woman of faith in me because it was under the clutter of fear. I, I didn't know that there was a woman of great encouragement because there was a, a box of that said rejection that God wanted me to get out of my life. You remember Marie Kondo? She's the declutter queen. She, I tell you what, she was moved by the Holy Ghost and she would go into the homes of hoarders and she would encourage them, get rid of everything that doesn't spark joy, that hides who you truly are so the real you can shine. And that's what the Lord is wanting to do in our lives in this season and this time, because there is a beautiful man and a beautiful woman on the inside of you with all kinds of unique giftings and talents, but we may never know it if you've got so much clutter in there that nobody can see it, right? And we've all been there. Please don't feel condemned today, but go on the journey with God. And here's what I will tell you. Every decade, God has born, taken me to a room of my life where he's walked me into a room with some significant clutter. I will say to you this, one room at a time. God doesn't come in and do one of those one day renovations where everybody's spun out and exhausted at the end of the day and, you know, almost put in an early grave. He's like, uh, just one room at a time. Let me in one room at a time. And we'll pull those boxes of clutter out and we'll, we'll find the gold. Who are you? Oh, there's a beautiful man or woman of God on the inside of you with talents and giftings the world has yet been able to see because it's been dulled under the residue of clutter. Get rid of it. My husband, I have four T-shirts. Four. Oh, don't you have the T-shirts from Cherish Conferences past? No. You know why? I'll get a new one every year. I'm not living in the past. I'm living in the future. My husband keeps all these T-shirts. Do you think he knows what he has? No. I try to put his stuff away and I almost can't get the coat hanger through. I'm like, Jürgen, for the love. And he doesn't know what he has because he's got too much. Clutter, clutter, clutter. So that's why when he goes away, I come in. <laughs> and he gets very mad, but I do it anyway and I'm gonna keep doing it. <laughs> and then I come into the church office with my bags of clothes that I don't wear anymore in trash bags, like some ghetto Santa. <laughs> And then I'll see all the beautiful girls in our church wearing my clothes. And I love it. I didn't need it. I wasn't wearing it. And it actually looks better on you. Rock on with your bad self because I've got something new. All right, you're picking up what I'm putting down today. Maybe what's beautiful and new and life-giving and pleasant and good and useful is being hidden because it's under clutter. In Luke 15, we hear the story of a woman who had lost a golden coin. And the Bible says that she lit a lamp and she swept the house. Some of you need to light a lamp. The Bible says that the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching the innermost places of his heart. Let the light of the Lord in to show you where you need to sweep and where you need to declutter so the real you can come shining forth. Stand, stand to your feet, church. This is how you bring your world into order. You may not be able to declutter the world, but you can declutter your world with the help of the Holy Spirit. You may not be able to change the world, but you can change you. You can decide what kind of person you wanna become. You may not be able to set the thermostat 
of the world, of even of America. You may not be able to change what the crazy government's going to do, but you can set the thermostat of your home. We're setting it to good, useful, pleasant. And that, like the Lord, we will affirm and we will sustain. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for your word. It truly is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Holy Ghost, reveal to us today the areas that we need to declutter. Reveal to us the boxes and the trash and the refuse that have been attracting the rodents that have brought distress and torment into our lives. And Father, help us. Help us remove everything from our lives that is not useful, good, or pleasant. And Father, instead, we ask for an infilling of your Spirit. God, fill us with your Spirit afresh. Open our eyes. Give us revelation of the areas that we need to change, where we need to submit to you and come into alignment with your Word. Father, bless your sons and daughters today. Let them go in the light and the love of the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, and God bless you, friends. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.